0: Welcome to CMO Convo, the show where we talk marketing leadership so you can take action. One of the biggest questions for marketers is where their careers go once they hit CMO. Surely there's nowhere further. For Rob Boulderson, his experience as CMO at Lockett led him to take on a new challenge, Chief Product Officer. Discover why this move makes sense to marketers and what advantages you can bring to the role in this episode. Hi Rob, welcome to CMO Convo. How are you doing today? Good, thanks Will. Thanks very much for having me on the show. Well, thank you for joining me because uh, we're examining something that I didn't even know was possible really. And that's a CMO moving to a CPO role. It's something that I haven't encountered before. So very, very interested to have this conversation with you today,
1: Rob. Yeah, certainly willing to share my uh, my early experiences. I've been a CPO for nine months now, so still very much still bedding into the role. But uh, yeah, definitely uh, a lot to learn in that time. Definitely.
0: Um, let, let's dig a bit more into your professional
1: background. Can you tell us a bit about yourself, Rob, and um, and sort of like, how you reach this position, maybe? Sure. I mean, it's interesting. You, uh, I've spoken to quite a few sort of product uh, professionals, whether chief or, or otherwise, and typically not many people have a very clear route into that um, sort of career path, typically find it from another career path, whether that's like marketing or engineer or something. And I'm no different. I follow the very traditional peer, uh, career path of starting with a career, uh, degree in jazz, um so completely unrelated and graduating out the other side of that i got a job at a law firm initially filling up the photocopiers and then ended up on their events team running sort of corporate events and conferences and then digital marketing for those conferences um so then progressed into um, a different role in, in digital marketing for a b2b educational services provider up here in Manchester. And then onto an educational technology business where we were doing um, exam preparation materials for doctors and, and med students. That's a, a company called Test. and that is where I got my first, I guess, real taste of product. Although I didn't really know what that was at the time, I didn't really know what the word meant. Um, and now I find myself at Locket, um, a insurtech startup, uh, which I tripped over and fell into uh, during the pandemic um they'd advertised for people to beta test their their new app and that was right up my street and they were offering 100 quid to do uh, to do it just before black friday um so yeah i participated in this little beta testing program for a couple of weeks and a series of uh fortunate or unfortunate events later i found myself uh running the product team um at locket so that's where i am now Fantastic,
0: fantastic. But you, you were doing marketing at Locket for some time. You were, you did have the CMO role there, didn't you?
1: Absolutely, yeah. I started as, as digital marketing manager and then over the course of 18 months progressed to, to head of marketing and, and then chief marketing officer, yeah. Nice,
0: nice. So so did
1: the jazz degree set you up to be able to improvise and switch between so much different stuff? It's, it's an interesting one. I, I don't know so much about improvisation, although I'm sure my team would tell you that there's plenty of on-the-fly improvisation during our, uh, <laughs> our stand-ups. I'd say more like the music degree in particular, there's a lot of transferable skills in terms of, it, it sounds really woolly and wet, but like teamwork, um, knowing how to get a bunch of people to all, you know, play the same thing at the same time in the right tune. Um, I think a, lot, a little bit of the transferable leadership as well, sort of band leadership. I've run a variety of bands um, over the course of my sort of musical career. And, and there's a lot of similarities that I think you can draw to just leading a team of, of any kind of people. Great stuff. Great
0: stuff. Let, let's dig a bit more into sort of like the reasons why you would, it was necessary for you to move into the CPO role. Let's talk a bit more sort of like the business situation, how things were at Locket at the time, why it was necessary for you to sort of switch tack like this.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the important context really is that we're a startup. Um, and so despite being wh- whichever of those marketing titles I had, it was never a neatly defined marketing role where I just spent all day doing marketing and nothing else. I've been doing customer service, finance, compliance, QA testing, even development. There's commits in our G- GitHub repository with my name on them, which I'm very <laughs> proud of because I'm very much not a coder. Um, and about this time last year, I was uh, on a flight to Vancouver for uh, my honeymoon and sitting there for eight or nine hours. I was just sort of reflecting on where we were with the business and and particularly my role and how much of my time I was committing to everything other than marketing. Um, and it had gotten to the point where, it was getting really difficult for me to ship any meaningful marketing initiatives because I was spending so much time already on, you know, other areas of the business, but particularly the products, working with our engineers, you know, copy for our app, um, you know, user journeys, flows, QAs, bug testing, all of that good stuff. So I just WhatsApped Christian, our CEO, and just made it clear that I wasn't, 100% tied to this title of marketing and that what I really really wanted to do was commit my time and my resource and my energy to making the most positive impact on the business. And so just to, just to sort of put him in that frame of mind of maybe Rob doesn't have to be delivering on marketing and maybe he's not going to be offended if I ask him to do something else. <laughs> and so yeah and so yeah kind of left it there but then over the course of the next 3 months we we talked about it we talked about it with the rest of the management team and October last year we we sort of formalized that uh decision to to move me over to running what is now our product team. So uh, was there an existing product lead at the business at the time or was it no, in I, I, and I think that was it. There was, there was this sort of real vacuum black hole of, of such a requirement for it um, that wasn't being filled. And that sort of, because it was nobody's job, it was everybody's, um, but there was no one just sort of, you know, putting those key sort of stakes in the ground and saying, here's what we are doing. Here's what we're not doing. Um, we had Andrew, our CTO, who is an absolute machine of a human being, but, uh, i think his challenge was so wrapped up in the how like the the technology the builds the platform that um i think he's really welcomed a little bit of assistance on on maybe diff- putting some edges on the the why and the what you know what are we going to be at build why are we going to build it and i think one of the things that i'm particularly good at doing is turning around and saying no to stuff uh so actually deciding on what not to do is is quite often a, a really big challenge in any sort of profession right marketing product, or anything and I'm quite happy to be the person that puts my head above the parapet and says, no, we're not going to do that because. Um, So I think that's probably one of the areas where I've added value.
0: Nice, nice. So you you obviously couch this in a very, very intelligent way of going about it is the benefits to the business. But were there any personal motivations for you to move from sort of a marketing role to a product role? Is that something that you'd envisaged with your career path? Is it something that you were just really interested in getting into like what was what kind of like the personal motivations behind it?
1: I'd, I'd love to tell you I have a plan um <laughs> I still don't have a plan even now I've the, the, my whole career has been sort of tripping over and falling into things and going oh I quite like doing this um the the personal motivations I guess came from a little bit more reflection and reading more around the product role while I was on my honeymoon in fact and, and the weeks afterward and as well as digging into a few podcasts and stuff and finding out that a lot of the skills required or actually just the day-to-day work was stuff that I had already done and that I was already doing, um, particularly in my previous role at Pastest, which was a, the, the medical education uh, company, the marketing team owned a lot of the early product initiatives. So doing user research around new features, understanding what the requirements were, neatly defining how the you know the best way to fulfill those users needs all of this is product work i just didn't know it i just thought it was part of marketing at the time as a little bit green so when i started reading around the broader responsibilities of what might be expected of a product guy i was sort of ticking the boxes and going yeah yeah I'd, i'd feel really comfortable with this and and something that i've always really enjoyed about my career is talking to the end users talking to the people there's great scope to do with that in marketing you can find out how to talk to them you can find out what kind of tone of voice they like but even better than that, for my perspective, is finding out how to genuinely solve the problems that they have, how to build something that makes a meaningful difference in their lives. That was really clear to us at Past Test. It's been a huge point of sort of conversation and topic and a myriad of different features that we could build at Locket and something that I'm still really passionate about really getting to the nub of what is the real problem that the customer's facing and what's the best solution to solve that problem? Because it might not necessarily be what they're asking for.
0: So are you 100% product now? Or are you still doing marketing functions in your role? Like, how, how's it work?
1: We're still a startup. So, you know, I've, I've got a change in title, but I think it's some ways I just feel like I'm moving my way through the alphabet. I'm still doing plenty of marketing <laughs> stuff as well. Uh, still also dabbling in all sorts of other stuff. But um, I get, I guess it's more of a meaningful shift for external from the company, understanding my role within it, and also, you know, formalizes it for the rest of the team. I still have a hand in the marketing stuff as well
0: is is that because you just can't let the marketing go is it out of necessity that you're still involved in that
1: a little bit of both yeah to be to be really candid and honest it's you know if if i have an opinion about something i i struggle to not volunteer it but um always with the uh, good intentions behind it
0: Definitely, definitely. It'd be hard to get yourself out of the trenches, isn't it? Yeah, there is a
1: little bit of that, like letting your baby go and fly for itself. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: (laughs) definitely, definitely. Um, Let's talk a bit more about sort of like the practicalities of moving into the role. So you mentioned you had some experience with product based roles. Like what kind of like skills did you think you already had that were ready to go? And what were the ones that you thought you really need to develop in order to move into a, a CPO role?
1: Sure. I mean, the, the first one definitely is that sort of user-centric focus. So user research or call them users, call them customers, whatever you want, the the people that are going to, that are going to read your stuff and and use your stuff. Um, I'd done an awful lot of running focus groups, uh, running surveys, analyzing surveys, summarizing, you know, conversations with at the time, doctors, medical students at my previous business. And then uh, we've, we've since spun up a a community at Locket. I mean, the whole reason that I ended up joining Locket was because I was part of a group of users that were submitting very heavy and candid feedback about the platform. And that is something that I've always really enjoyed, but is very, very centric to the product role, talking to people, understanding what their requirements are, understanding what they like, what they hate, and then translating that into shippable features or you know shippable functionality. So it's very much a, a, a joint skill set that sits between marketing and product. We also got the opportunity to use a platform called user testing a couple of years ago, which was brilliant. You could put real people from around the world in front of your website and just watch them fail to understand what you'd written. And It was really <laughs> eye-opening, really, really good. Um, we did loads of very, very good work for our brand, for our tone of voice here. But again, that all very much then bled into the product as well, how we talked about what we were doing um, and, and how we executed on it. So that's probably one of the pillars that's sort of the whole user centricity side, very marketing, very product. The second thing, for, as a marketeer, I've always been sort of a performance marketeer. So that's Excel and not Photoshop. Um, and digital marketing and analytics, it, it carries forward into product. The only difference is you're not looking at your sort of, website checkout funnel in isolation you're looking at it from the moment they hit the website all the way to when they sort of stop subscribing to your service stop using the tools stop using the feature you talk a little bit less about conversions and a little bit more about milestones or aha moments but it's all functionally very very similar in the way in which you go about understanding what the the points of friction are what the pain points are how you then go about unblocking those so you know in the checkout it could be changing the text on the new customer checkout to sign up or whatever that is. But you know, in the product, it's as simple as start here or login or new customer account. So there's so many similarities between digital marketing and analytics. The other side, I guess, is the community stuff. And that's something that I've really started to dig into at Locket, which I've really enjoyed. I joined part of this beta testing community. And then when we launched um, as, as a fully fledged service, we set up a a Discord server full of our super users, um, the people that really, really got the product, the the people that really understood it. And it was just a treasure trove then of people that really wanted to talk to us and really wanted to help us out. Um, And yeah, great to have a sounding board with new features. Quite often I'd sort of put a couple of terribly designed PowerPoint mockups of, hey, we were thinking about putting this new page in the app and it would do this, what do you think? And just throwing it out there and getting, you know, real life, real user feedback in the space of minutes because they're on Discord and they're like, oh, I hate it. And here's why. Um, or I love it. And here's why. Here's what you should consider. Or why are you even doing that when you could automatically do it over here? It's just like crowdsourcing product development. and It's fantastic. Something that I'm really, really passionate about and would love to continue doing um, throughout my career.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Was, was there any kind of trepidation about engaging with these kinds of super users? Like they are potentially more an expert about product development than yourself and you being the CPO they're going to expect you to be sort of the the person to go to with like these really really technical things like how did
1: you approach that i, I could understand hitting that i think we neatly avoided it because we've always had a very very clear mentality of we want to hear the bad stuff mm-hmm. um and i've always had that mentality across you know both personally and professionally in one-to-ones with managers I'm like look tell me what's wrong i'd rather know about it and fix it than not um and that extends to community and and interaction on that side as well the uh the initial beta testing scheme that i joined with locket i submitted something like a 30 page document full of screenshots wow. of all the stuff that i'd found wrong with it i was like well i hope you like it and if you don't never mind but um i i think that is the most valuable thing you can have is people telling you what's wrong it's great to be in a room full of people telling you they love you but it doesn't help you grow and that's something that um i've taken even from being a musician as well like sitting down with your musical idols and and then telling you hey you did a great job of that i've had that in the past and then reflected on afterwards well, God, i really wish you'd told me how to improve though because i haven't i haven't grown i haven't I haven't moved on from this so it's, it can be the same personally and professionally but I've never really had a problem with being told what's wrong. I'd much rather be the person that knows what's wrong and is listening and responding than the person that's sitting there with cotton buds in both ears going, no, our product's great. Definitely. Definitely. Um, And I expect like the marketing
0: background, that kind of level of empathy that you kind of have to build for your users and customers and the marketer, that's got to stand you in good stead for that kind of stuff.
1: Very much so. And and with Locket in particular, I was a huge proponent of the actual thing that we were building as well. I really loved it. And that was that was, I guess, a bit of a product challenge because sometimes I had to take myself out of it. Going, going that, you know, assuming that I am our perfect target user and target customer doesn't give me the authority to decide things because I like them or I dislike them. It still has to go out to a wider group. Um so, yeah, it, it very much helps to be deeply involved in that and, and deeply passionate about it, but also can sometimes be a little bit of a hindrance too.
0: Definitely, definitely. Um, you mentioned your team a few times, Rob. Like how is that a dedicated product team that you're talking about, or is that sort of just like a, a cross-functional marketing product kind of department?
1: We run uh, squads at Locket, which I think comes from the Spotify model. Um, yeah. I think I've remembered that right. Um, so i run a cross-functional team i've got front-end developers back-end developers i've got a mobile dev um, i've got a designer i've also got a project manager um, and actually our cto andre sits within our team sort of you know obviously at the same level as me but we look after very different elements of the projects um there's three of us in the team that ultimately guide the the success of it if you like so you've got um me as the product guy looking after what we're building and why we're building it essentially and, and sort of taking a look at those earlier decisions as well as making sure that we're course correcting and staying on course of the what and the why we've got andre who very much looks after the how he's our cto so he's making sure that the platform is stable and secure and that we're not making short-sighted development decisions and that we you know we're building this to scale and then we've got james as well who is our absolute ninja of a project manager who makes sure that the trains run on time, makes sure that everything is incredibly well communicated, sprints are planned. Um, honestly, I don't know what we'd do without James. He's, he's a, such a key part. There's a really great bit in um, the the book from Tony Fidel, Build, where he talks about the difference between product managers and, and project managers and this really resonated with me when I read it recently. So, so product managers are the, the champion of the user, whereas the pro- project manager is the champion of the project. And that's very much what we have. We've got me going, let's make sure this is correct for the users. And we've got James sitting there going, let's make sure that this project stays on track and that, and that, you know, that one of these doesn't take precedence, which is really, really helpful. I think has been really successful for us.
0: So uh, that kind of relationship is that something that you think's really helped with you getting to grips with being a CPO like running these kinds of project uh, like development projects that you might not have worked on before?
1: I think so. yeah, and the reality is I didn't just step in and start doing it. We'd been sort of iteratively creeping towards this kind of uh method of working before before I stepped into product, I was running a marketing squad, so I had a website developer on my team and I, again, I had designers. I was doing more of the project management side and the campaign management, but um, ultimately was reasonably comfortable with it. But definitely having those other roles that are looking after sort of the the main functions of the project has been helpful without having to keep all of those different streams in mind, the, the how, the what, the why, and the when is is actually a little bit disconnected. And, and I found that that's been helpful, but for our particular configuration, at least
0: let's talk a bit more about some of the other resources that have been helpful like like you mentioned like it sounds like it wasn't like a sudden switch like you could like work your way up to it kind of thing but are there any sort of gaps in your skill set that you identified that you need to work on or is it stuff that you're working on right now in fact
1: there's always the next thing that you're working on i think um and not all of it has been product related. In fact, I mean, I've read so many books and listened to so many podcasts in the last year to try and you know, get, get up to speed. One thing that I found, I guess, is a common thread running through all of this is the sort of product mindset has been the biggest challenge. So not necessarily developing a new set of skills or developing, I don't know, new competencies, new languages, those kind of things. I'm probably a lot more familiar with our project management platform, ClickUp that we use, or you know, the, the likes of Asana Trello, I've I've used a bunch of them. Probably a little bit more in the weeds with that than I was the things that i'd say that have been most beneficial though first of all the most important resource by far has been um lenny's podcasts which are uh free on spotify that it's from lenny's newsletter.com this guy lenny was a product manager at airbnb and he now just runs a regular podcast where he interviews some like world-renowned product leaders and that really helped me to get into the sort of product mindset and i'm still a regular listener now i've also read a ton of books. Um, but not many of them have been so specifically product centric. A lot of them sort of tangentially related. Um, I've already mentioned build by Tony Fidel He's like a product maven, you know, behind the iPod, but he also goes into the wider context of building successful businesses. So that's as much relevant to, I guess, like the C in my job title as much as the P. Um, But yeah, that's, that's probably the only like really product specific one that i've come across so far i'm sure there's plenty more that that you'll get in comments and and uh, tweets and everything else after this show but um for some you know slightly less related ones there's a big crossover between marketing and product and you know sort of product led growth and sort of this growth hacker mentality so growth hacker marketing was a great book for that how to build a billion dollar app was really good as well um we're all really interested in behavioral science and the sort of psychology of decision making at, at Locket as well. So influenced by Robert Cialdini, never split the difference by Chris Voss all about how to like negotiate um has been really, really interesting, both in terms of like internal team dynamics and you know having successful relationships with your with your um with your staff, but also in terms of tone of voice and branding and you know what you write on your buttons and when users come to make decisions so that's what really interesting. Um, in terms of team management, in particular, that sort of cross-functional team that we've been talking about, um, we're still in the process of bringing OKRs really to force in the business. We started that um, around the same time I took on the product role, actually. Um, I've just finished Measure What Matters, um, which is a fantastic book going into the successes of OKRs. at Huge, huge tech businesses around the world, Intel, Google, those kind of things. And I probably need to mention crossing the chasm because we're working at a tech business. So, um, you know, tech start that hasn't read that, um, people will be asking why there's the gap. So that's actually been really helpful for that sort of early adopter and also that like community mindset, you know, how we you know, drive narrow and deep into our, our core beachhead target audience and then grow from there.
0: Awesome. Um, so how do you see the role developing in the future? Like, Do you think there'll be a point? in the near future where you are just a hundred percent product or do you see yourself sort of straddling the sort of
1: marketing product role for a while at least? I would eventually see the, the really, really hardcore marketing stream taking a, a, a more and more distance as we grow. Um, I'm still very much interested in product marketing. So shouting about the features, shouting about the functionality, talking about how we're working, how we're solving problems is still very much something that i'll be interested in for a long time yet um where we start talking about you know pr campaigns and you know the types of tv ads that aren't the, the, i guess maybe more lifestyle or you know it used to evoke a feeling rather than specifically explain the product i imagine that is the the first area that i'll start to see disappear off to to uh, to the distance ultimately i still really you know i come from that sort of product marketing background so i would imagine that i'll still have a hand in there for for a, a while to come yet
0: awesome and and I, I know startup environments it can be a bit like tarzan swinging from vine to vine kind of thing but is this something you've maybe like roadmapped or discussed with the other stakeholders in the in the business is this something that you've maybe worked out a timeline where this ideally should happen this kind of shift or is it still more sort of I would say that we are
1: still swinging from the vines yeah. and screaming at this point, if I was really <laughs> candid. Yeah. <laughs> but, they're, but they're aware that at some
0: point there will be sort of a switch where you are just a hundred percent product. And yeah, to def- definitely looking to,
1: to bring in um, marketing recruits that, that will fit the bill. But um, again, you know, I still have that sort of main mentality. Um, we've always had the, the sort of mentality that, job titles don't matter to some extent, obviously your job function does the work that you get done matters. The guy that hired me at Lockett at the time, his title was vice president of beach drinks. So <laughs> we like, you know, to, to some extent they're important. They were, they were more important to me when I joined the company than they are now. Um, whether I continue having the the CPO title or whatever, I think what I'm most always committed to doing is delivering value for the business. So if in 10 months suddenly I need to go and step away and do something else, I, I'd still much rather be moving the business forward at pace than hanging on to a title or a specific function.
0: Definitely, it's a great attitude to have Rob, and um, also is your director of Beach Drinks? Is he based in Manchester? It's pretty far to go to. Like, the <laughs> no,
1: he's, the actually, he was operating out of a yacht in Greece at the time. Oh, well, uh, good. For so him. <laughs> yeah, very much living the life. Yeah, and still is actually. We're still he's still working with us um, on a on a slightly reduced hours because he's he's too busy renovating his catamaran. He's he's, he's yeah he's he's living the dream.
0: All right, for some. All right, yeah.
1: So. Yeah. Um, so Rob, um, let,
0: let's pull some stuff together, shall we? Let, let's talk about. Um, Yeah, let's sum things up, like maybe, like, what do you think are the most important skills for CMOs who are thinking of moving into a CPO role? Like, what do you think are the main things to focus on or the main things in your background that
1: might be beneficial? Certainly the things that have helped me the most so far, I've already touched on data centricity and analysis and and being able to take that sort of marketing optimization, A-B testing mindset and, and, you know, just lift it out of marketing and drop it straight into product. I think um, that sort of product mindset that I mentioned, though, it takes it one level deeper into, we talked about milestones or you hear them called aha moments. I vividly remember listening to the first Lenny's podcast that I heard actually, and I was attracted to it because I saw that it was someone that was working with Spark Toro, anyone that's listening that's familiar with Rand Fishkin and Moz. I was really into that. I was an SEO guy back in the day. Um, And she talks um, about, key product milestones and the fact that it's so important to not only measure engagement or that that conversion if you like but also the re-engagement so the the idea is this customer is shopping around they come they download your app or they come on your website they try your free feature and that's great that's a conversion you've got that that's in the bag but actually what's really important to understand is how many of these people come back like in three days and use the feature again that hasn't been prompted by your marketing material that hasn't you know that's not part of a try before you buy process where they've also tried out three of your competitors? How many people come back and legitimately use your feature for the second or the third or the fourth time? And you can really see that, wow, these guys are actually getting value now. That was a a real sort of mind mental shift to, wow, we can't just say we had a sale and and you know obviously the marketing comparison, you still get re-engagement, you get repurchasing, you get customer lifetime value. But I'd never really encountered this idea of measuring that second event above the first, if you like, before. So that was that was one real sort of mental shift, but one that's not it's not a leap that's hard to take. And as soon as you start getting into that mentality, it's easy. I think the other sort of capability that that would set someone to a a good start would be just context switching and, and being this sort of t-shaped kind of professional you know narrow and deep in your specialism for me it's digital marketing but also being able to turn up to a meeting about I don't know long-term financial strategy and then plan your next product marketing campaign and then turn up to the next one that digs into aws back-end authentication or something and like you don't have to be an expert in every single domain but it really helps if you can keep pace with those kind of conversations and more importantly Understand the impact of on the product or on the end user of all those conversations that you're having. They they would be my sort of real what I'd like to think of something that I do bring to the table without a lot of you know ten years product experience. Awesome. And let, let's open things up a little bit because you you did mention
0: your willingness to if if necessary to move into another kind of C C role another alphabet letter for your uh, your titles there. Um, what do you think are sort of like the golden rules that you'll follow when making that kind of lateral move within the C suite? Like, we're not just talking about CMOs moving to CPO, but any kind of move within the C suite. Um, like, what do you think are the most important things that you're going to focus on if that occurs again for
1: you? I think broadly thinking about those that I've known in C suite roles and also those that, those that have transitioned, the people that I really admire and respect are those that are able to always bring it back to the user all the time. So it doesn't matter if you're working in finance, technology, HR, or anything. Ultimately, what you're doing has to be for the person that you're building this product for. It could be a business customer, it could be an end user, it could be a free user, it could be a paid user. But if you're able to take the context of these very high level decisions that you're making and apply it all the way back down the value chain to the user, I think you're on for success. It's an... I would probably guess that it's an easier thing for marketers to bring to the table who maybe get a lot more face time a lot more interaction with users same for customer service professionals i've done my share of customer service in my time as well if you can always have that user centered mindset of hey we're making a big decision here what's it actually going to do to them they're paying our wages i think that's really helpful i think the second one is i've already talked a lot about data but you just can't escape it and particularly when i stepped into product there was a lot of Analytical information that I wanted to add, having being used to all of our marketing analytics tracking methodologies and platforms, stepping into our product and really digging in and finding out all of the events that we didn't already have configured, all the stuff that we didn't already know. You know, if you if you're not using data, you're sort of flying the plane without instruments through a cloud. But you've got to understand at the very granular level which elements. Uh, are making the difference and which aren't and you know the only way that you can do that is, is with a a really fine-grained attitude to tracking analytics and and deployment of those alongside conversations and you know all of that qualitative time that you spend with the users as well and I think I guess more broadly to sum up wherever you've come from it has value so if you're stepping in from a marketing role to a product or product to marketing or technology to finance or whatever, I think that that broader business experience is only going to help you. I certainly feel like my marketing experiences have helped me in products, but not just those, my customer service experiences, my band leading experiences to take us back to the start of the call. I, I think that that broader experience overall is going to help you. So don't shelve it, just make it a part of the new role that you're forging for yourself. And the likelihood is that if someone has decided to move you into that role, it's because they want you to bring that element of experience, not because they want you to leave it behind. I think that's a great note to end it on, there, Rob. Like that's a great message, like not just in terms of moving
0: laterally, but in terms of like career progression as a whole. Like you never know what's going to be useful in the long run. Um, so, thank you very much for this conversation today, Rob. I really enjoyed it.
1: Well, thanks very much for having me. Really appreciate having me on.
0: Well, no, I appreciate you sharing your insights. Like uh, as I said at the top of the call, I, I wasn't super familiar with sort of CMOs moving over to product roles as a frequent occurrence, but it sounds like it makes absolute perfect sense. Like for me. I've thought about lateral moves it's always been sort of that another name for marketing kind of c-suite role it's moving to like chief growth officer or chief brand officer but this sounds like it is like a really good fit whether you're looking to move out of the CMO role or even just to like get experience with that product stuff to take back into a marketing lead role I think it would be really beneficial.
1: I'd, I'd definitely recommend if you if you're a marketer that hasn't heard of this word products because i certainly was one of those that it's worth doing a little bit of reading around chances are you're already doing a lot of it um and i'm really really happy to talk to anyone that's that's thinking about it as well you you find me on linkedin there's not many rob Boulderstones around so you, you you find me quite easily um i really really love the product community the the lenny's community and a few other sort of slack channels and uh you know whatsapp communities that i'm a part of everyone's very very supportive because i think most people come from this background of, well, I wasn't trained in this. I don't have a degree in this. I've started doing it. And so it's a great community to be part of and very much happy to, to point people in in that direction as well.
0: Awesome. Thank you very much for that, Robin. Thank you for those uh, resources you talked about earlier with the books and the podcast as well. Like what you heard from this CMO combo? Make sure you hit that subscribe button and leave a rating so the whole world knows how great it was.